I want to think tonight about our attitude towards money as described in 1 Timothy, because as we're going to see, the wrong attitude about money can cause a lot of pain in our lives and ultimately will lead to death and destruction. And, um, you know, it's easy to get wrapped up in life and be just get caught up in trying to survive and then trying to get ahead and then trying for more and more and more. And the Apostle Paul really warns about it here. And so we're just going to think about that for a few minutes. First Timothy chapter 6, we're going to begin the reading in verse number 6. But godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. And having food and raiment, let us therewith be content. But they that will be rich fall into temptation and a snare, and into many foolish and hurtful lusts, which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is the root of all evil, which while some coveted after, they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. But thou, O man of God, flee these things, and follow after righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, meekness. Fight the good fight of faith, lay hold on eternal life, whereunto thou also art called, and hast professed a good profession before many witnesses. And then skip down to verse 17, if you would. Charge them that are rich in this world, that they be not high-minded, nor trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God who giveth us richly all things to enjoy, that they do good, that they be rich in good works, ready to distribute, willing to communicate, laying up in store for themselves a good foundation against the time to come, that they may lay hold on eternal life. This passage really speaks about greed, a sin that all of us can participate in, can meddle in, and so I want us to look tonight at really how we can loosen that grip of greed in our own lives. Let's pray. Our Father, we're thankful for your word, how it teaches us, instructs us, it rebukes us, and God, I pray that tonight we would come into this time of preaching with open minds, that we would be willing, Lord, to see ourselves through the mirror of your word, that we would see shortcomings, areas where we have failed you and fallen short of your law, and be willing to repent and turn to you. In Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. Back in verse 10, we really see a, a really great, concise, four-word definition of greed. He says, the love of money is the root of all evil. The love of money. When we think about greed, we often think about somebody like Ebenezer Scrooge who has all the money he could ever want and yet he keeps such a tight hold on it. He's, not, he, he's, he's so careful with every penny, not willing to share anything. Maybe you think about some rich family member, some rich uncle who just gives you a candy cane for Christmas and you think he is so greedy. But, but greed really is much bigger than that. It's much broader than that. It comes in all shapes and sizes. We can be greedy with millions of dollars in the bank, and we can be greedy without having a bank account 
at all. Greed is the love of money. It's being infatuated with money. It's thinking about it too often, too much, thinking too highly of it. You may have heard it said that, that money is the root of, evil, root of all evil, and we know that's not the case, of course, but the love of it is. To love money is to think about it much more than we should, to value, much, to value money much more than it deserves, to put money and the gaining of money above things that are much more valuable, like the people that are around us, and of course, like the Lord Jesus Christ. So greed is, in essence, the love of money. And all of us, if we're not careful, can love money a little bit too much. Another definition of greed would be discontentment, which Paul also writes about here. He says, For the love of money is the root of all evil, verse 10, which while some coveted after. So it's possible to love money without having, it, having money. These people that he's talking about loved money, and yet they were coveting after money. So it's not that they had so much money, and therefore they were greedy. Therefore they loved this money because they had so much, but rather they, were just, they, they wanted money. They were coveting after it. They were thinking about it too much. Greed is always wanting that which we don't have, always wanting more, always thinking about how we can reach the next step. Greed is discontentment. Look in verse number six, where we began. Godliness with contentment is great gain. Verse eight, he says, having food and raiment, let us be content. So contentment is an, is an opposition to greed. Contentment is being satisfied with what God has given us. Greed is always wanting more. And, and notice the contrast that, that Paul makes in verse five, uh, verse six from verse five. In verse five, he's, he's, he's talking about these teachers who are teaching all kinds of nonsense, perverse disputings of men, destitute of the truth. And then he says, supposing that gain is godliness. Like there's some correlation between how, how much we have, how much wealth we have, and how good we are, how godly we are. And that's, that's a prevalent teaching today. We would call it prosperity teaching, where, where, a, where, where a preacher would say, if you live in this way, if you, if you obey in this way and do these things, then God will bless you with money. But Paul, here, in this, in this book that we're, we're reading, he contrasts that and says that, that, that gain isn't godliness, but rather, verse 6, godliness with contentment is great gain. So greed is discontentment. Look in verse 9. They that will be rich fall into temptation and a snare. That is, they desire to be rich. Their ambition in life is to be rich. That's, that's who he's talking about. They have their minds set towards one thing, and that is wealth. More, more, more. And it's important that we understand that he's not talking about actually being rich, it's, it, but rather it's the ongoing desire. I'm not happy unless I reach that point of wealth, which you never actually reach. This is greed. Discontentment. And surely we would all agree that that any of us could fall prey to this constant desire for more, for riches, for wealth. Some of us may be more prone to it than others are, as with any sin, but greed's no respecter. It can find any of us, and it's extremely dangerous. 
as we're going to see. And you may think that you're not in danger of greed because you don't have any money. But all of us can fall prey to it. So let's look at some of the dangers of greed listed here in 1 Timothy chapter 6. There are many of them listed in verses 9 and 10. Let's read those verses again. But they that will be rich fall into temptation and a snare and into many foolish and hurtful lusts which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is the root of all evil, which while some coveted after, they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. Paul doesn't get too specific here, but the language that he uses is very grave, isn't it? Destruction, perdition, piercing themselves, sorrow, erring from the faith. It's a trap. Greed really is a trap. That's, look in verse, verse 9. That's what he calls it, really. They that will be rich, they that desire, they that have, those, those that are obsessed with being rich fall into temptation and a snare. Falling is not something that we do on purpose. Nobody falls on purpose. Unless maybe you're making a YouTube video and you're trying to get views or something. Kids do that kind of stuff. But typically when we fall, it's, 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 it's something that we're not intending to do. We trip over something that we didn't see coming. This is what he's talking about. Greed is a trap. We fall into this snare. Traps don't care who, who gets caught up in them. If you step in an animal trap, it doesn't matter that you're not an animal. You're going to get caught up in it. Greed's like any other sin in that it doesn't appear all that serious to us because it starts in the mind. And we think it's just, I, I know I want it, but I'm not acting on it. I, I know I have a desire that's probably unhealthy. I probably want that a little more than I should want it, but it's, it's not that big of a deal. It's not that big of a sin. But it's a trap. And even though it begins in the mind, like every other sin, it doesn't end in the mind. It gets out. It's a lust that's not satisfied. They that will be rich fall into temptation and a snare and into many foolish and hurtful lusts. Greed will cause you to desire things, foolish lusts that you never would have thought you would have desired. It'll cause you to do things that you never would have thought you would have done and, and, and pursue after things that you never would have thought you would have pursued after. In James 1.14, James said, Every man is tempted when he's drawn away from his own lust and enticed. Then, that's the, that's the, that's the mind. That's the, he's drawn away in his mind. But then, when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin. And sin, when it's finished, bringeth forth what? Death. Death. Greed begins in the mind. It may seem small, but it grows and it grows and it grows and ultimately brings death. Sins of the mind don't stay in the mind. In fact, notice the pain that he says will come to you as a result of greed. These foolish and hurtful lusts drown men in destruction and perdition. Graphic language, drowning is a terrible thing. The feeling of drowning is a terrible feeling. But this is not drowning in water. It's drowning in destruction and perdition. This is, this is ultimate death. This is damnation. Greed is a great deceiver. Greed makes us believe that we're climbing a ladder, that we're doing greater things, that we're, we're, we're becoming more important, seeking greater riches, greater popularity, while all the while it's taking down 
taking us down a road that's leading to destruction and damnation and perdition. Verse 10 says that the love of money is the root of all evil. It's at the root. Do you know that there's no end to what we will do for greed? It's that powerful. There's no end. There's no end to what we'll do, what the greedy man or the greedy woman will do for more. It really is a slippery slope. It's dangerous. It's harmful. It's foolish. It's the root of everything that's evil. And notice verse 10. The last phrase. Some... Some coveted after this, this greed, this more money. They've erred from the faith. They've turned aside from God completely. Imagine be, what, what begins is, is, is simply wanting a little more, to get ahead a little more, and leads to turning your back on the one who gave you everything that you have to begin with. Imagine. Every gift and every, every perfect gift is given from God above. Everything that we have is given from him. Imagine getting so far down this road of wanting a little bit more that we turn our backs on the one who gave us everything that we have. That's what greed does. We turn our back and we reject him. And the result is they pierce themselves through with many sorrows. Greed is a self-inflicted wound. We pursue more and as a result, pierce ourselves with this sorrow. It's very graphic language. There's no good that comes from greed. There's no good that comes from loving money, from, from covetousness, from discontentment. There's nothing good that comes about it. Many sorrows result from it. You probably know people who have lost families, lost marriages, lost their children, lost their jobs perhaps lost their lives, maybe sitting in prison somewhere because of a love of money, a desire for more. Greed is dangerous. Greed will, it may seem like a small thing, but it will chew you up and spit you out. It's very dangerous. But we have some remedies for greed. All of us are prone to, all of us are prone to these tendencies of covetousness and discontentment and loving money too much, but there is a remedy for all of us that we, get, that we have here. And I'm going to list two from the text, beginning in verse number 11. And I'm just going to call this following after what we know to be good, which covers a lot of things. Verse 11, but thou, O man of God, He's writing about those that will be rich, those that are ambitious to be rich in verse 9, those that have fallen into the drowning and destruction, those that love money. And then he, verse 11, he says, but thou, O man of God, let it not be said of you, he says, flee after or flee these things and follow after righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, meekness. In contrast to all the things that, that they're following, you follow all the things that you know to be good. Righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, and meekness. Godliness, of course, is to be like God, to, be, to be, have a mind like God has, to, to act like God acts. Follow after love. 
Love doesn't, 1 Corinthians 13 says, charity seeketh not her own. Love doesn't want what's best for me. Love wants what's best for others. Greed is always looking out for what is going to be best for me. Love is looking out for what's best for others. Meekness, he says. Gentleness. We have such an example of meekness in our Lord who, Philippians 2 says, he thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon himself the form of a servant. That's, what, that's who God is. He wasn't trying to make himself greater. Instead, he was humbling himself and, and lifting us up. He's just the opposite. These are the, uh, these are the um, contrasts to greed. Greed is selfish. Greed wants to concern ourselves with ourselves. And so loving others will free us from that grip of greed. You can't be greedy and be godly at the same time. He says to follow after godliness. You can't be greedy and godly. You can't be acting like God and be greedy. We can't be discontent and at the same time live by faith. That's one of the things he lists there is faith. If we're living by faith and we're not discontent, we're trusting in God. We can't exercise love for others while we're trying to get ahead at any cost, no matter what it will do to others. We can't be meek while we're always worrying about climbing the ladder of success, trying to elevate ourselves, even if it means pushing others down. So we're to flee after greed, and we're to follow after things that we know to be good. Follow after what you know to be good. A second remedy for greed that I want to see is found in the second group of verses that we read, and, and that is this. One thing that will help us to loosen that grip is to live as though we were rich, or live as though we would live if we were rich. And that may seem counterintuitive because there is a, a danger in desiring to be rich, but I, I want us to, to notice that, let, well, let's just, let's just look down in verse number Nine. That was a deliberate pause. Try to add some suspense. Verse nine, we see. The, verse nine, we see they that will be rich fall into temptation and a snare. So we're not to we're not to pursue after this ambition of wanting more, wanting more. But then in verse seventeen. He says, charge them that are rich in this world. There are those that are rich. And I think, I'm not going to try to convince you tonight, but I think if we were honest, we would say that we're all rich compared to the rest of the world, most of the world. We are rich people. We, we may not have all the things that we would like to have because we're greedy, but we are very rich people. We are rich. And so... Paul gives some instruction for those who are rich, and it's very good advice, of course, because it's inspired by God. But the things that he tells these people that are rich will help to break that, uh, that, that chain of, of greed that we can have. And so even if I, I don't convince you that you are rich, 
I want to convince you at least to act like you're rich and to live like you're rich and to give, it, give um, and to heed the instruction of the Apostle Paul to those who are rich because it'll help you. So he says in verse 17, charge them that are rich in this world that they be not high-minded nor trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God who giveth us richly all things to enjoy. So I'm going to give three principles uh, from this for those that are rich. Number one, don't trust in your riches, but trust in the one who provides them. Don't trust in your riches. That's what he said in verse 17. Charge them that are rich that they be not high-minded, nor trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God who giveth us richly all things to enjoy. Riches that we earn on our own really are uncertain, aren't they? If you, if you invest in the stock market and you, and you make it big, you may not have it tomorrow. Really, anything that you have that's of material wealth that we earn is not guaranteed. We have it today, but we may not have it tomorrow. So we're not to trust in our own riches, uncertain riches. We're not to put our confidence in that. I'm not to put my confidence in what I have in the bank account. I'm not to put my confidence in, in my car. For sure not in my car. Every time Lauren rides with me, she says, you got to get a new car. If you're watching this, babe, I'm not doing it. Don't put your trust in these things. Don't put the trust in uncertain things that you see in this life, in this earth, but rather put your trust in the one who provides them. Don't get your peace of mind from what you have in a bank account or what you have buried out in the backyard or what you have hidden in a sock drawer somewhere. Don't get your confidence and your peace of mind in those things, but rather find peace in knowing that the one who has provided you everything that you have will take care of you. He will provide for you. He is there for you. Your future is safe, not because of the job that you have. Your future is safe, not because of your portfolio. Your future is safe because the one who owns everything has promised to meet your needs, to take care of you. Don't trust in your riches, but instead trust in the one who provides them. That releases that grip of greed on us because I'm not having to get more in order to survive. I'm not having to earn a little bit more so that I can survive a little bit longer in my life. I'm not having to build up a bigger nest egg just in case the economy falls flat. I'm not, there's nothing wrong with saving and investing. We ought to do those things, but my confidence is not in those things. Don't put your confidence in uncertain riches, but rather put your confidence in the one who is able to provide for you. Verse 8, having food and raiment let us be therewith content. There are a lot of challenging verses in the Bible, but to me, this is one of, the, one of the most challenging verses in all of the Bible. Paul is saying, if you have clothes, at least one outfit that you can wear, and food to eat this meal, be content. That's challenging. Don't put your faith in uncertain riches. The second principle that I want to see is found in verse number 18. That they do good. He's talking to these people that are rich. And I'm encouraging each one of us to live like we are rich. L live like you would live if you were rich. 
that they do good, that they be rich in good works, ready to distribute, willing to communicate. So the second principle is just this, be generous. Be generous. Be generous like you would be generous if you had all the money you could ever imagine having. Giving is difficult when we're greedy. But when we, when we are able to finally pry our fingers open enough to get something to give away, not only, not only does our hold on the money lessen a little bit, but the, the hold of the money on us lessens a little bit too, doesn't it? It's good for us to, to give. It's good for us to be generous. Most of us have probably thought at some point that if we had more, we would give more. If we were honest, we would all say that. Or if we had, if we, had we would give. Maybe we're not giving at all, giving to others, giving to the Lord. But, but, but the more really isn't about the, amount, the mind, it's about the, it's about the mindset. If you think about the widow and, and the might that she gave, the amount that she gave was so little. I mean, it was, so, it was laughable to people that were watching. And yet the Lord, to the Lord, it, she was giving everything. It wasn't the amount. The, the amount was, 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 was what she was pouring out, not the physical amount. And so if we lived, those of us who have said, if I had money, I would be generous, what Paul is saying is charge, charge them that, that, that they live in this way. Live as though you are rich. Live as, though, live as though you can give. Even if you don't think you can give, even if you think, I don't have enough, if I let go of this, then I'm not going to be able to meet my needs and the needs of my family. I, Paul's advice is good for all of us, and that is be generous. Give. Give as though you were rich. Ready to distribute. Willing to communicate. And... Thirdly, verse 19, laying up in store for themselves a good foundation against the time to come that they may lay hold on eternal life. Invest in eternity. We're talking about how we can love money less. How can we be more content? How can we be more more in tune with what God would want us to, 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 to be as it pertains to money. Well, one thing we can do is stop trusting so much in what we have and trust in the one who provides it. Something else we can do is just be generous, be willing to give what we can. And thirdly, invest in eternity. There is a lot of money that we can spend that will benefit us today and then it'll be gone. Much of the money that we spend, we use, we enjoy, and then it's gone forever. We can spend a lot of money on things, on gadgets and hobbies, and there's nothing wrong with enjoying life. But we really can learn where our heart is by where our treasure is. We really can learn what is important to us by where we spend the majority of our money. And you know it's true that the more that we spend on ourselves, the more we want to spend on ourselves. Maybe you're not like that, but I'm like that. The more I spend on me, the more I want to spend on me. The more I get the things that I think I need, the more I think I need. It just, it, it's, it, it grows. It's, it's, it's an ugly thing, greed is. But we can loosen the grip of that on our lives. We can loosen the grip of greed on our lives by investing in eternity.
investing in things that will outlive us. Jesus said this in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 19. Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth. It would be interesting, perhaps you've done this at the end of a year, to look back and, and, and see, do a percentage check. How much money did I spend on things, on treasures of this earth? How much did I spend on needs? How much did I spend on eternity? Jesus said, don't lay up for yourselves treasures on this earth where moth and rust doth corrupt, where thieves break through and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt and where thieves do not break through nor steal. Back in our text in, in, in 1 Timothy verse 12, when Paul is instructing he says, leave these other things, flee these things, but follow after all of these things. Verse 12, he says, fight the good fight of faith and lay hold on eternal life, whereunto thou art also called and hath professed a good profession before many witnesses. Paul is telling Timothy and the people that Timothy is ministering to, and he's teaching all of us that we need to keep our focus further into the future. Focus on eternity. Lay hold on eternal life. Timothy was a saved man. He wasn't writing to a lost man and trying to convince him they need to be saved. He's saying, lay hold on eternal life. Lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. That was the words of Jesus. Verse 7 is such a powerful verse. We brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. I can't even take my, my Mazda with me. We can't take anything with us. You can't take your car with you. You, you, can't, you, can't take, you, can't, you can't take it with you. What we brought into this life is the same thing that we're taking out of this life. And, and yet we pour so much energy into getting more and more and more in this life. And... and and if we, if we think about it spiritually, and we, if we step back and think about it spiritually, we can think, what am I doing? What am I doing trying to, trying to build, build myself up in this life? It's, it's all going to disappear when I'm gone. And yet all of us, all of us are, are, are prone to these tendencies. I believe that. I, I do think that some people have stronger tendencies towards wanting more. Some people are just really content people. And, and, but, but for many of us, we're always, we always have a drive to, to, for more, 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 more in this life. And it's not just money, but, it's, but, but that's really what he's talking about here. But it's, it's not godly to be greedy. It's not, it's not godly to be discontent. It's not godly to want that which we don't have. It's not godly. It's, and, and not only is it not godly, but it's extremely dangerous. It's, it's dangerous. They, they erred from the faith. They're drowning in destruction and perdition. They pierce themselves with many sorrows. This is a dangerous sin. Left unchecked will lead us down a path to destruction. So whether you, say, whether you see yourselves tonight as being greedy or maybe just having a little bit too much affection towards money, too, too much ambition towards riches, 
These two things will be beneficial. Number one, follow what you know to be good. And number two, live as though, live as though you would if you were rich. Even if you don't, even if you can't be convinced that you are, follow Paul's advice here for those that are rich. Just pretend to be rich. Don't trust in your riches. Don't put your faith in what you have, but instead trust in the one who gave it to you. Be generous with what you do have. And lastly, invest in eternity. Give to the cause of Christ. Give to the cause of Christ. Again, that's not just money, but that is what he's talking about here. He is talking about money. Give to the cause of Christ. I'm so thankful when, when we hear the reports of what our mission dollars are doing. It's, it, that's, that's money that you invest into eternity that will outlive you by far. It will last for eternity. Amen.